0: What is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to another episode here on the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And guys, in today's episode, we're going to be recapping all of the action from week four of the 2022 NFL season. And guys, did we have some incredible matchups you know Thursday night football between the Dolphins and Bengals was definitely definitely a pretty solid game besides one huge incident that we'll talk about obviously at the beginning of today's episode and then we'll talk about the rest of the uh, rest of the weekend slate of games but anyway guys before we do talk about all of that I do want to first ask y'all to please make sure to go check out anchor.fm's monthly supporter program which is $4.99 a month It allows me to be able to better the quality of the podcast, be able to eventually give certain members some exclusive perks, and just so much more that will eventually also benefit y'all. So anyway, guys, it's not recommended. It's not required or anything like that. I simply appreciate y'all just listening, tuning in, liking, rating, reviewing, whatever it might be. I thank y'all so much for any type of support that y'all do show. But guys, like we always say here on the cover set with Mason Pierce Podcast, you know, I don't want to waste y'all's time, so let's get right into today's today's episode. I almost said today's action, but we got to cover so many days worth of NFL football from Week Four. And obviously, the first way to start off the NFL week slate of football is going to be on Thursday Night Football, as we had the three and 0 Miami Dolphins traveling to Cincinnati, Ohio, to take on the uh, one and two Cincinnati Bengals. Now, both teams are very solid teams. You know, despite Cincinnati starting the season off very. Excuse me, guys. Uh, despite Cincinnati starting off the season pretty poorly, you know, with obviously that loss, to that huge and, I mean, embarrassing loss to Pittsburgh and then to Dallas, you know, they bounced back against the Jets and are looking to be able to continue that momentum now that they're going up against the 3-0 and Miami Dolphins. And then on the flip side from Miami – their main thing is going to be able to continue to keep that momentum. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, after a very strong win against the Buffalo Bills last week, despite two attack of Tagovailoa, their starting quarterback kind of seeming to be shaken up. We've got a lot. We had a lot of conflicting reports where there was about him having a concussion, which is definitely what it looked like. You know, apparently there was doctors saying it was back spasms, but whatever it was. Tua was definitely banked up going into this game, but despite that the Dolphins were looking to be able to find some way to be one of the only remaining undefeated teams in the league, and to start off this game, it did start pretty slow, as as after the first quarter, it was only 7-3 to Cincinnati was leading, but in the second quarter, there was a very unfortunate incident that did occur, as Tua Tagovailoa would be slammed to the ground for a sack, his head would unfortunately hit the turf very, and I mean very hard, and it was just an absolutely horrible thing to watch, especially live. He would have to be carted off, carted off off the field. He would eventually, I mean, pretty much almost immediately be taken to the hospital to treat neck and head injuries. But thankfully, everything would be okay as he would fly back with the team on Thursday night. So hopefully he will be able to recover. And I just think there needs to be a thorough investigation into the whole Miami Dolphins allowing him to be able to play because if you watched, and I mean, if you just watched simply when Tua got up last week from getting that huge, not huge hit, but getting slammed against the Buffalo Bills, you could just tell something was not right. You can tell he was definitely dazed. It did not look like back spasms, in my opinion, because when you have back spasms, you're going to completely fall to the ground. And Tua was just stumbling like if he was in like a drunken, you know, drunken. Of uh, haze so to speak you know what I mean like not one of those things where you're just going to immediately fall to the ground but you kind of start tripping over yourself which is one of the symptoms of having a concussion so despite that I just hope the best for Tua I hope he's able to recover and it just was a very scary situation but outside of that Teddy Bridgewater would come in for Tua and he actually did pretty solid as he would go 14 for 23 193 yards passing with one touchdown and then one interception now, obviously, the main player in this game for the Miami Dolphins had to be their star, and I mean star acquisition in free agency, Tyreek Hill. And I mean, once Tua was would be unfortunately taken out of the game, Tyreek stepped up when it mattered the most for the Dolphins as he had 10 receptions for 160 yards receiving. Now, despite the efforts from Tyreek Hill, T. Higgins and Joe Burrow were just absolutely connecting today as T. Higgins just alone had seven receptions for 124 yards receiving and one crucial touchdown. That would go 59 yards. And then Joe Burrow, he's starting to feel himself a little bit more. And I knew obviously do not count out the Bengals just because they were off to a slow start. As Joe Burrow would go 20 for 31, 287 yards passing with two touchdowns and then zero interceptions on the day. So overall, pretty solid day by the Cincinnati Bengals offense as they are start as they are starting to finally kind of feel themselves again. And they're starting to finally get back into a rhythm. Now The Bengals' defense played pretty solid. Jermaine Pratt, he had pretty much 10 tackles on the day. You know, overall a very solid day by the Cincinnati Bengals defense as they are finally starting to get back to looking like that Super Bowl Cincinnati Bengals that we got so adjusted to seeing last year. And obviously kind of the big storyline in this game is you know, not gonna be the fact that Cincinnati finally, you know, finally is starting to be able to catch some heat. It's gonna obviously be the whole Tua situation. But regardless, make sure y'all keep Tua in your prayers and you know, hopefully just he'll be able to he'll be able to recover from this and definitely needs to take all the time in the world to be able to get back to one hundred percent. But despite that, the Cincinnati Bengals would be too much for the Miami Dolphins on Thursday night football as Cincinnati would go on to beat the undefeated Miami Dolphins 27-15 as now Miami will fall to 3-1 on this season and Cincinnati will improve to 2-2. So huge win for Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now anyway guys, that was the only game that we had on Thursday, so now let's move over to Sunday's slate of games, and like you know, we gotta start off talking about the early slate of games, and the first game that I'm gonna wanna talk about on the early slate is going to be the first international game of the season, as we had the Minnesota Vikings taking on the New Orleans Saints in London. Now to start off this game, both offenses were kinda struggling, Kirk Cousins just really could never get too much going, whether it wasn't the passing game, but... Later in the second half, he did start to catch up as on the day Kirk Cousins would finish 25 for 38, 273 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception. Now Dalvin Cook, despite you know, not having his greatest performance by any means, you know, he also was dealing with the shoulder injury. He had himself a pretty solid day as well, as he had 20 carries for 76 yards of rushing. Didn't get a touchdown on the day, but still a very solid day for Dalvin Cook, who was dealing with that shoulder issue. But Justin Jefferson, after a rough week last week and against the Eagles, he—excuse me, guys—he had a great comeback week against the Saints, as he would have ten receptions for 147 yards receiving, and I mean he just burnt Marshawn Lattimore the whole game. Who was the Saints' starting cornerback? And I mean, just what a game for Justin Jefferson, especially after these past few weeks have been a little bit rough on him, and he's finally starting to get back in, you know, great momentum. But I also want to give some credit to Andy Dalton in this game because, despite not being able to get the win, Andy Dalton did had a, had a phenomenal game considering all the guys that were missing for the Saints. You know, they did, they did have Jarvis Landry, but they were also missing two of their top offensive weapons and Alvin Kamara, the running back, and then Michael Thomas out at wide receiver. So, considering the fact that he did not have all of the top talent in this game, he still had a very solid game as he went 20 for 28, 236 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions on the day. So, overall, pretty solid day by Andy Dalton. The run game was also pretty good as uh, Levante Murray, who just got elevated from the practice squad just a few days before, he had a pretty solid day as well as he had 11 carries for 57 yards rushing and one touchdown on the day. And the biggest headline that y'all see that you will probably end up seeing in this game is how close New Orleans came to coming back and tying the game at the end of regulation. Will Lutz had a 61-yard field goal attempt double doink off the uprights as the Minnesota Vikings would go on to beat the New Orleans Saints in the first London game of the year. 28 to 25 as the Vikings now improved to 3 and 1 on this season and the Saints fall to 1 and 3. Now I feel for the Saints because they're dealing with a lot of injury issues and obviously you could definitely tell when it came to offensive production that having a guy like Alvin Kamara would would have been actually monumental and probably could have honestly won them this game. But Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, all those offensive weapons for the Minnesota Vikings, they overcame it was what is a pretty stout um, new orleans saints Saints defense and they would go on to beat the new orleans saints 28 to 25 but that was the early game it was at 9 30 uh, a.m central time so let's talk about what technically now is going to be the at the uh, noon slated games and the first game that we're going to be talking about in the noon slated games is the tennessee titans traveling to indianapolis to take on the indianapolis colts now the colts who were still on a high after beating the Kansas Kansas almost like Kansas State Kansas City Chiefs last week and what was a stunning game because no one expected Indianapolis to even be able to hold the offense of Kansas City. And then on the flip side for Tennessee, they had a great bounce back win last week against the Las Vegas Raiders when they held Devontae Adams and Derek Carter. Pretty much no yardage, so great game for them. But going into this game, the big storyline had to be the two running backs for each side, Derek Henry, a.k.a. King Henry for Tennessee, and Jonathan Taylor for the Indianapolis Colts. Now, in this game, the Titans held Jonathan Taylor to only 40 yards rushing on 20 carries so Jonathan Taylor was only averaging two yards a carry against a pretty weak secondary in Tennessee but the front they stepped up when it mattered the most Derrick Henry had himself a day as well Pretty similar uh, game to how he did last week. 22 carries for 114 yards rushing and one touchdown. Ryan Tannehill had a great bounce back win as well for himself. He went 17 for 21, 137 yards passing with two touchdowns and no interceptions. So huge thing for Ryan Tannehill. And then on the flip side for the Colts because, man, just this was a game that they probably should have won. I genuinely think they should have won. Uh Shaquille Leonard, he was finally making his season debut. Unfortunately, he would end up leaving the game with the concussion. He's a star linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts. So, you know, prayers to him. I hope everything's okay. Cause it's really unfortunate when you see a guy that is that plays at the level Shaquille does just continuing just unfortunately continuing to deal with all of these injuries. But anyway, Matt Ryan, he definitely didn't have a bad game by any means. He went twenty-seven for thirty-seven, three hundred and fifty-six yards passing with two touchdowns and then one crucial interception. Uh, we already talked a little bit about Jonathan Taylor. Naheem Hines, uh, kind of the go-to receiving back for the Indianapolis Colts. He was held to literally zero rushing yards on the day. Um, Mo'Ally Cox was really kind of the main weapon for Matt Ryan today as he had six receptions for 85 yards of receiving and two touchdowns. But ultimately, Tennessee's defense would do enough in this game to to hold on against a late comeback attempt by the Indianapolis Colts as Tennessee would go on to beat Indianapolis 24 to 17 as now the tennessee titans improve to two and two on the season and in indianapolis now falls to one two and one on the season so great win for tennessee as they get a in-division win so nothing less it's good to see derrick henry finally start to do derrick henry things but anyway guys we're going to travel travel over to the meadowlands as we have the chicago bears taking on the new york giants and first things first saquon Freaking Barkley, man. He did it all for the Giants today. After Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor would go down with injuries, he would actually step up and become the quarterback for a little bit. So, huge for Saquon. But Saquon on the day individually, he had 31 carries for 146 yards rushing. I mean, he just destroyed the defense of the Chicago Bears. So, great game by Saquon. Uh, Daniel Jones also had himself a really good day rushing. I mean, passing-wise, he only had 71 yards passing, but rushing – Daniel Jones seemed to be able to get it done with his feet when it mattered as he had six carries for 68 yards rushing and two TDs. And, you know, the run game was really the big thing for New York in this game. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, the first-round pick out of Oregon, he had a fumble recovery on the day. So, overall, just a really solid day. And I want to shout out New York uh, New York Giants uh, linebacker Tay Crowder. You know, undrafted kid. Kind of one of the more underrated linebackers in the league, in my opinion. He's definitely a solid guy. He had ten total tackles on the day, seven of them being solo. He also had a sack as well, so great day for him. Roquan Smith continued to do Roquan Smith things for Chicago as he pretty much led the defense. As he had 10 total tackles on the day, Eddie Jackson, the star safety, he had nine. But ultimately, these two efforts by both of these guys just unfortunately would not be enough as the offense for the Chicago Bears was just absolutely horrendous today. As Justin Fields, he would go 10 for 21, 163 yards uh, passing, zero touchdowns and zero interceptions. Uh, Khalil Herbert, he actually led the Chicago Bears in rushing with 19 carries for 77 yards rushing and zero touchdowns. Darnell Mooney, he actually did have a very solid day receiving as he had four receptions for 94 yards receiving, uh, but no touchdowns, unfortunately. And, you know, the only points that get scored in this game would be field goals. So that 12 points that the Bears scored, they all came in the form of field goals. And you know, just really—I mean, just a really poor showing by that Chicago Bear offense. As the New York Giants would go on to beat the Chicago Bears, 20 to 12. As now the Giants improved to three and one on the season, and the Bears now fall to two and two. Now, guys, for the next game we're going to talk about, we're going to travel back down south most specifically in Atlanta, Georgia, as we had the Cleveland Browns taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Now, when I talked about this matchup in the Week 4 preview, I said that if Cleveland could get the run game going, they should be able to dominate Atlanta. Well, the run game did get going, but Atlanta just also responded with their own individual efforts. And, you know, I was honestly, I was shocked. I will not lie to you. I was shocked at how well um, Atlanta did in this game, despite Marcus Mariota, who... Kind of seemed to be on a hot spree, not really having the best game of the season so far because Marcus Mariota, he only went 7 for 19, 139 yards passing with zero touchdowns and one interception on the day, but the run game would actually come in clutch for Atlanta as um, Caleb Huntley and obviously Cordell Patterson, they would be the ones that would have two rushing touchdowns on the day combined, which ultimately would help Atlanta to a 23-20 win over the Cleveland Browns. And I'm kind of shocked because Nick Chubb, he had 19 carries, 118 yards rushing, and one touchdown on the day. So not a bad game by any means. Even Jacoby Brissett, you know, he he, he was never able to get a touchdown through the air, but he did get one on the ground. Uh, his passing stats for this game were 21 for 35, 234 yards passing. Like I said, no touchdowns. He did throw one interception, but – Despite that, you know, just Atlanta was just the better team in this game as they would go on to beat the Cleveland Browns by a score of 23 20. So great win for the Atlanta, for the, I almost said the Atlanta Browns. Great win for the Atlanta Falcons as they now improve to 2 and 2 on the season. And the Cleveland Browns, they now fall to 2 and 2 on the season as well. But anyway, guys, we're going to, I'm going to take y'all back out to. Uh, Philadelphia as this was kind of my personal favorite game of the weekend and it was this was the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Philadelphia Eagles Doug Peterson's homecoming in Philly he got a great warm welcome in case you don't know who Doug Peterson is he was a Super Bowl winning head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles back in 2017 when they had that miraculous run with Nick Foles so it was great to see the the Eagle fans warming him back in his return to Philly but despite that Jacksonville started off this game crazy good. As in the first at the end of the first quarter, after a pick six and a touchdown from Trevor Lawrence, the Jacksonville Jaguars led the Philadelphia Eagles 14 to zero. But in the second half, Jalen Hurts and that offense would get hot as they would have 20 points unanswered. So going into halftime, Philadelphia led Jacksonville 20 to 14. And then in the second half, pretty much just not there wasn't a lot of offense and not a lot of scoring. It was mostly defenses being able to handle each offense offense but ultimately Philadelphia would be able to hold off the upset attempt by the Jacksonville Jaguars now Trevor Lawrence you know not his best game by any means but he had a very solid one as he would go 11 for 23 174 yards passing with two touchdowns and one interception Uh, Jalen Hurts who started off very rough with a huge pick six to Andre Sisko he eventually would recover very well after that as he would go 16 for 25, 204 yards passing with zero touchdowns and one interception on the day. Now, Miles Sanders, he was the X-Factor for the Eagles in this game as he had 27 carries for 134 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Jalen Hurts also was able to get things done on the ground as well as he had 16 carries for 38 yards rushing and one touchdown as well. Kenneth Gainwell, he also had a touchdown, so four total rushing touchdowns for Philly on the day. Uh, the running game for Jacksonville is just not really non-existent as the team in total had 71 yards receiving. Uh, A.J. Brown had himself a very phenomenal day as he, as he was only 5 yards away from a 100-yard game as he had 5 receptions for 95 yards receiving. But ultimately, it would be the Philadelphia Eagles coming in clutch after they forced 4 fumbles on the day against the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. As Trevor Lawrence, he fumbled the ball 4 times in this game, so definitely you don't want to see from your starting quarterback. But the defense of Jacksonville, I'll give them a huge shout-out. They played really well. Uh, their second-round pick out of Utah, Devin Lloyd, who has been one of kind of the biggest surprises so far in the 2022 draft. He had 14 total tackles on the day, four of them being solo, but he was just all around the field in this game. But despite the efforts that Jacksonville's defense would be able to do, just those those turnovers would really impact Jack- Jacksonville at the end of this game as Philadelphia would go on to beat the Jaguars 29 to 21 to be able to stay undefeated as they now improved a 4-0 and Jacksonville now falls to 2 and 2 on the season and honestly Jacksonville is going to be a scary team in the AFC i mean it's weird to say but i think honestly if Trevor Lawrence he can fix some of his turnover issues and play like he did against Indianapolis as well as getting James Robinson and all of them going i think i think honestly Jacksonville could Potentially be a playoff team this year, despite obviously how horrible last year went for them. But anyway, a very solid game by Jacksonville, but Philadelphia was able to edge it out as they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 29 to 21. Now, anyway, guys, we're gonna go down to Houston, Texas, as we had probably the most boring game. And there's nothing against these two teams; it's just the fact that talent-wise, both of them just really don't compare. And um, as in this game, we had the Los Angeles Chargers taking on the Houston Texans. Now the storyline for uh, Los Angeles was the fact that that their star uh, edge rusher Joey Bosa he would be out 8 to 10 weeks with a groin injury so definitely a huge hit for that defense that's already suffering enough with injuries but in this game Justin Herbert would finally be able to bounce back after a disappointing week last week against Jacksonville as he would go 27 for 39 340 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions Davis Mills just for some reason, just cannot quit throwing interceptions for the Houston Texans as he as he would go 26 for 35, 246 yards passing with two touchdowns and two interceptions. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about the ground game for Houston as Damian Pierce, uh, I think it was their second or third ground pick out of Florida who a lot of people were very high on in the offseason. He had hit finally his breakout game as he had 14 carries for 131 yards rushing and one TD, and he would really be the main, I guess you could say focal point when it came to offense for the Houston Texans in this game. Uh, Brandon Cooks finally had a solid game. He had seven receptions for 57 yards receiving and one touchdown. Uh, Mike Williams for the Los Angeles Chargers, he had a great game as well with seven receptions for 120 yards receiving but with no touchdowns. But despite that fact, Austin Eckler, the star running back for the Chargers, he'd be able to pick up a lot of the slack as well as he had 13 carries for 60 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And despite a, a late comeback attempt by the Houston Texans, the Chargers would be able to hold off the Texans down in Houston 34-24, to as now the Chargers improved to 2-2 and on the season, and the Texans now fall to 0-3-1, as they are still now looking for their first win in the 2022 season. So, I mean, me personally, I felt that Houston would do a little bit better than how they're playing. I knew they were not going to be a playoff contender, so to speak, but I definitely thought they'd be able to at least have a little bit more fight in them, but overall, just they just got to figure out a lot of things. They are a very young team. They have a lot of young talent. Obviously, not being able to have John Mechie do how he's dealing with leukemia right now, that was a huge loss, and obviously prayers with him, but it'll be interesting to see how Houston will rebound in the next few years, but um. Anyway, guys, the next game that I want to talk about, we're gonna go right back up north. So we're gonna kind of keep flip-flopping, so to speak. But anyway, we had the Buffalo Bills taking on the Baltimore Ravens. And man, if you're a Ravens fan, you're about to start getting a lot more Atlanta Falcons jokes because of just two, and I mean just two big leads that y'all have choked. And, man, it's just complete pain right now up in Baltimore. Now, Josh Allen, he did not play amazing at all. By any means, he did not play that great. As literally the first drive of the game, he threw a pick to Marlon Humphrey of the Baltimore Ravens, which would eventually lead to a J.K. Dobbins touchdown for the Ravens. And, you know, Josh Allen's stats on the day, he'd go 19 for 36, 213 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception. Lamar Jackson, even though he started off really hot, just unfortunately he threw a costly interception towards the end of the game to Jordan Poyer, and man, did that end up costing them the game, as that would actually be what would lead Buffalo all the way down the field to get the game-winning field goal. But anyway, Lamar Jackson on the day, he would go 20 for 29, 144 yards passing with one touchdown and two interceptions. Um, He was also the leading rusher for Baltimore, as he would have 11 carries for 73 yards. Josh Allen would do the same thing for the Buffalo Bills, as he would have 70 yards as well, but with one touchdown. Now, the biggest thing, and I was actually, you know, kind of surprised by this, was how well... Baltimore was able to control Stefan Diggs and that Buffalo Bills passing game because Stefan Diggs in this game, he only had 62 yards pass or uh, receiving. So they were able to hold him and honestly, the Bills not the Bills, the Ravens defense is not what lost them this game compared to how the Dolphins game was. It was more the fact of just Baltimore's offense just could not get anything going after a very strong first half because in the second half, Baltimore didn't put up any points at all. Not even a field goal safety anything like that. They put up a fat donut. So definitely not something you want to see. I'm not going to say it's time to panic in Baltimore by any means because Buffalo is just a really solid team. But considering the fact that they kind of had Buffalo almost at in the, in the grasp of their hand and they could pretty much control how the game went, they allowed Buffalo to be able to come back in this game just by you know dumb mistakes, dumb interception, the one that Lamar Jackson threw in the end zone. But nothing less, Buffalo would eventually kick the game-winning field goal as they would go on to beat the Baltimore Ravens 23 to 20 as as uh, Buffalo now improves to 3 and 1 on the season and Baltimore will fall to 2 and 2 so disappointing loss for Baltimore because this would have been a huge game for them to win especially in the AFC is obviously Buffalo is one of the top teams but nothing less you know it's a really solid game by Baltimore's defense it's just the offense just could not pick things up in the second half Now for the next game in the early slate, we're going to stay up north. And this game, just if you loved interceptions, you definitely were tuning in for this game because there was a combined six picks in this game. Six interceptions combined on both sides. It was just, oh my goodness. If y'all ever watched the 2017 Cheeses Bowl with TCU in California where they threw, I think it was like seven combined interceptions it very much was kind of similar, this game was. But anyway, we had the New York Jets traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, um, well, you know, Steeler fans, you finally got your wish. Mitchell Trubisky, he would end up getting benched later on in this game. Uh, First-round pick, um, Kenny Pickett, would actually come in. And, you know, Kenny Pickett, he only threw three incompletions on the day. So that was a, you know, very bright spot. But at the same time, those three incompletions were all three interceptions As Kenny Pickett on the day, he would go 10 for 13, 120 yards passing with no touchdowns, but three interceptions. That would be pretty costly. But Kenny Pickett also did pick up two rushing touchdowns on the day as well. So there is kind of a plus. So he was technically, I think, negative one when you look at like turnover differential All those advanced stats that I know none of y'all really care about, I don't either, but regardless, he didn't, I mean, you know, just unfortunately he was not able to get things done in the air, but Zach Wilson, his first game back after he suffered an injury in the preseason, he played okay. I wouldn't say he played great, but he would go 18 for 36, 252 yards passing with one touchdown and two interceptions, one of those being a pick six to Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, Brees Hall. Second-round pick out of Iowa State, he had 17 carries on the day for 66 yards rushing and one touchdown, so pretty solid day by him. Uh, Najee Harris for the Steelers, he also had a pretty solid day as well, as he had 18 carries for 74 yards rushing, and that was really that. Now for receiving-wise, George Pickens, he had a great game. As he, I think this this may be his first 100-yard game of his NFL career, as he would have six receptions for 102 yards receiving. So good game by George, despite the poor quarterback play in this game. And unfortunately, you know, despite Steelers starting to kind of gain some momentum in the second half, the New York, New York Jets, they would put up 14 points in the fourth quarter to ultimately beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 24-20 to as now the Jets improve to 2-2 and on the season. And the Pittsburgh Steelers' losing streak continues as they now have dropped three of their last four, and they now fall to 1-3. and So definitely a very rough start after a very solid Week 1 win against the Cincinnati Bengals. For all you Pittsburgh Steelers fans out there. But anyway, guys, the final game of the noon slate that I want to talk about is going to be the Washington Commanders traveling to Arlington, Texas to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, first things first, and I'm just going to address this, this team with Cooper Cup as the quarterback is playing so much better than how they did with Dak Prescott in week one. And I'm just, I'm sorry, y'all can call me an idiot, you can say I don't know anything about football, whatever you might have it, but you cannot tell me right now that the momentum that the that the, the Cowboys have right now with Cooper Rush is something that they need to break up just to force a money move and bring Dak Prescott in. I'm sorry, you can't tell me that, I mean, because the way CeeDee Lamb is connecting with Cooper Rush is amazing, same with Noah Brown, Tony Pollard, all of these guys, they seem to just play a lot better around Cooper Rush. And then on the flip side for Carson Wentz, oh man, did he have a Carson Wentz performance in this game as he went 25-42, for 42, 170 yards passing with one touchdown, and then two really uh, head scratching interceptions, one of them being a Trayvon a Travon Diggs interception, which he looked like a full-blown wide receiver back to his freshman days at Alabama, so Trayvon Diggs got, now has his second straight game with the interception, and it'll be interesting to see if Trayvon starts to have another streak like he did last year, where I think it was like five or six straight games with a pick, but but anyway in this game, this was really Washington's game to lose. And it's kind of funny to say that, but Washington's run game in the first half really separated them from Dallas because man, would they would they get decent amount of chunks and then they would get Carson Wentz to make some dumb type of mistake and then it would eliminate every single thing that they did rushing wise. Now they only put up hundred and forty two yards rushing in this game for Washington. But if you watch this game, you could tell that the momentum and everything like that in that run game, they needed to keep doing that. But play calling would not allow that. Instead, they would go to receiving. And actually, uh, their first-round pick out of Penn State, Jahan Dotson, he led them in receiving as he had three receptions for 43 yards receiving and one touchdown in the corner of the end zone, which was an absolutely amazing catch. But outside of that... Washington's offense was just non-existent for the rest of the game after the second quarter. I mean, they just were non-existent as they would only put up 3 points for the rest of the game. But I also want to make sure that the Cowboys defense gets a lot of credit in this game because man, was that front line you know with Micah, Dorrance, every single player on that defense was just electric in this game. I mean, it it just, I mean it's just really hard. I don't want to overreact, but man, I haven't seen a, a Cowboys defense like this in what feels like forever. Michael Parsons was Micah Parsons played amazing. Trevon Diggs played amazing. He had that one he had that one pick. Uh, another kind of underrated, you know, topic that I don't think a lot of people will talk about is Donovan Wilson, the starting safety for the Dallas Cowboys in the game that he had as well. Is he had nine tackles on the day. I mean, man, it was just it was overall, it was an amazing day. For Cowboys fans, if you love defense, because they shut down Washington in this game as it would go on to beat Washington 25-10 to in one of the best rivalry games in all of the NFL. So, And the biggest question also, because Dak had announced that he's eyeing a return next week against the Rams, so it kind of does beg the question, should Dallas go back to Dak Prescott, even though he may not be 100%, he's probably going to be like 80 85 Or do you stick it out with Cooper Rush right now, who is three and zero so far this year as the starting quarterback? And in my opinion, there's no reason to rush Dak back. I mean, Cooper Rush has played amazing so far. I mean, I think honestly, if you put him on another team that needed a quarterback, he would be their starting quarterback. So if I'm Dallas right now, I would wait another you know week or two to bring Dak Prescott in at the starting quarterback position because I mean, especially you know the Philly week, which is going to be here in two weeks. So. Right now, I think Cooper Rush needs to stay the starter. It's just he's played good. The momentum's going good. Cowboys are on a three-game win streak with him as their quarterback. So, I mean, you know, I mean, you can also say, too, they haven't played the best defenses so far in the league. But, I mean, you know, even with Cooper Rush, when he would get absolutely pressured in the pocket, he would be able to calmly roll out and be able to throw a football. And also, I forgot to mention this, Michael Gallup, his first game back, after having that really unfortunate ACL injury, he would actually get a touchdown in this game. Now, statistically, he only had two catches on the day for 24 yards, but he did have one huge touchdown that actually helped kind of change the momentum in this game. So it was good seeing Michael Gallup back on the football field. And, you know, honestly, I just think right now, Cooper Rush needs to stay the starter for the Cowboys. I just, the way the team is playing, you know, they're dangerous. I mean, honestly, that the way the defense is playing – I was just firing on every cylinder possible, whether it's secondary play, linebacker play, line play. I mean, the Cowboys are seriously, they're looking like a pretty solid team after that disappointing week one against Tampa Bay. So, but anyway, the Dallas Cowboys would defeat the Washington Commanders by a score of 25 to 10 as the Cowboys now improved to 3 and 1. And Washington now falls to 1 and 3 as they are currently on a three game losing skid. And now guys, for the final final noon slate game that we had we had the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Detroit to take on the Detroit Lions and first off Geno Smith looked like prime West Virginia Geno Smith in this game as he would go 23 for 30 320 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions Rashad Penny the running back for the Seattle Seahawks he had 17 carries on the day for 151 yards rushing and two touchdowns DK Metcalf he also had himself an incredible day as well the star receiver for the Seahawks as he had 7 receptions for 149 yards receiving and man was the Seattle offense just too much for that Detroit line defense i mean it was just i mean i didn't i wasn't able to watch the game but just from what i've seen and everything like that seattle just dominated from start to finish offensively but in the fourth quarter after seattle was leading by a ton the Lions had a strong fourth quarter. They would put up 22 points to make the game a 48-45 to 45 game. Jared Goff, he would go 26 for 39, 378 yards on the day with four touchdowns and one interception. Not a bad day by any means by Jared Goff. And then Jamal Williams, the former Green Bay Packer, now Detroit Lion running back. He had 19 carries for 108 yards rushing and two touchdowns on the day. And TJ Hawkinson, man, the star tight end for the Detroit Lions. He had a monster, and I mean monster day, as he had eight receptions for 179 yards receiving and two touchdowns with a long of 81. But ultimately, that late comeback from the Detroit Lions would not be enough as the Seattle Seahawks would hold them off and Seattle would end up winning the game. 48 to 45 in seattle now improves to two and two on the season and detroit now falls to one and three So man detroit's kind of getting that nebraska feel right now where they get super close in games But they just cannot finish so ultimately seattle would be you know victorious in this game as they would beat the detroit lions 48 to 45, but Anyway guys now that we're done with the new slate of games. Let's go down now to the uh, late afternoon early evening slate of games and this time we only had three because of the game that was played in London but the first game that I do want to talk about is going to be the Arizona Cardinals traveling to Carolina to take on Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers and well there wasn't a lot of scoring in the first half as Arizona led 10 to or no actually I'm so sorry Carolina led at halftime 10 to 3 over the Cardinals Kyler Murray just never seemed to be able to get a groove in the first half. The Cardinals' offense was really non-existent. I mean, you could say the same with Baker Mayfield and the Panthers. They just never really were able to gain things. C.J. McCaffrey, he really didn't do too much when it came to the rushing game. Now, for receiving-wise, he was a lot more effective. But for rushing-wise, they never really could get C.J. McCaffrey going. But in the second half, that's when everything completely turned as Arizona would score uh, 23 unanswered points. 23 unanswered points in the second half to give them the win. Now, Kyler Murray on the day, he would go 23 for 32, 207 yards passing with two touchdowns and one interception now Baker Mayfield a little bit more of a rough game as you'd go 22 for 36 197 yards passing with one touchdown and one and one touchdown and two interceptions on the day I apologize now Christian McCaffrey like I talked about a little bit early He only had eight. He only had eight carries for 27 yards rushing on the day with zero touchdowns, but he was the leading receiver on the team as he had nine receptions for 81 yards receiving and one touchdown. DJ Moore still is kind of struggling to get his foot going in the 2022 season as he only had six receptions for 50 yards receiving on the day. Robbie Anderson, once again, another one of the the um, big-time paid wide receivers for the Panthers. He had another rough day as well as he only had three receptions. For 26 yards receiving so very rough day for the carolina panther offense and then on the flip side for arizona the second half they just started to get things going uh, marquise brown had another amazing game as he had six receptions for 88 yards receiving and one touchdown he was really the main focal point on the offense zach ertz their tight end he had six receptions for 47 yards on the day and one touchdown as well and ultimately Kyler Murray would end up leading this Arizona Cardinals team to a 26-16 win over the Carolina Panthers as the Cardinals now improve to 2-2 on the year, and the Panthers now fall to 1-3. Now for the next midday game that we had on this late afternoon slash early evening slate of games, we had Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos traveling out to Las Vegas to take on The Las Vegas Raiders, who going into this game were 0-3. They hadn't won a game yet. You know, had a crazy offseason. They went out and got Chandler Jones in free agency, traded for Devontae Adams from Green Bay, who's arguably the top wide receiver in all of the NFL and then kind of a similar offseason for Denver as well as they went out and traded for star quarterback Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks. You know, gave away Drew Locke, Noah Fant, a lot of key pieces and a lot of draft picks. So going into this game, both teams were wanting to really make a statement, especially when it came to the AFC West division as a whole because, man, is it stacked. But um, anyway, so going into this game, uh, after the first quarter, Denver actually led 7-3, to three, you know, offense. You know, there wasn't really anything going like crazy. But in the second quarter, that's when things started to kind of get crazy. As on the day, Derek Carr, he would go 21 for 34, 188 yards passing with zero touchdowns and zero interceptions. But the main people in this game and kind of the ones that really sealed the deal for Las Vegas would be Josh Jacobs, the former – former first or first or second round pick of the Las Vegas Raiders out of Alabama as he had himself a career day as he went 20 as he had 28 carries for 144 yards rushing and two touchdowns as he destroyed, I mean destroyed the Broncos defense. Uh, Devonte Adams, after a pretty disappointing week last week at Tennessee, He had a great bounce back game as he had nine receptions for 101 yards receiving despite being pretty much covered by Patrick Sartan the whole game. And then on the flip side for the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson didn't really have that bad of a game. Honestly, he went 17 for 25, 237 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions on the day. Now for rushing wise, the run game did not get going at all. Uh, Javante Williams he only had 28 yards on the day Melvin Gordon only had eight so really you know outside of Russell Wilson and the production that he had there really wasn't anything else KJ Hamler he led the Denver Broncos in receiving with 55 yards but ultimately just due to the fact that the defense could not handle the offense of the Raiders the Raiders would go on to beat the Denver Broncos 32 to 23 as Denver finally or not Denver as Las Vegas finally gets their first win of the season, and it comes against an AFC West rival in Denver Broncos. In Denver, they now fall to 2-2, two and two, and the Raiders now improve to 1-3. and three. And now, finally, to wrap up the late afternoon, early evening slate of games, we have the New England Patriots traveling to Green Bay to take on the Green Bay Packers, led by Aaron Rodgers. Now, this game honestly should have been completely Green Bay-only, I mean, you know, New England, they lost Mac Jones for the next few weeks due to an injury. You know, overall, they just talent-wise, they shouldn't be able to compete, especially against that tough uh, defense of the Green Bay Packers. But funny enough, New England actually made sure to know that, you know, we're not going to go down without a fight as at halftime, New England led Green Bay 10-7. to Now, in the second half, things got a little bit different as Green Bay put up 10 points in the third quarter. Aaron Rodgers finally started to get things going after having a extremely rough first half, as on the day, Aaron Rodgers would go 21 for 35, 251 yards passing with two touchdowns and then one interception on the day, with that one interception being a pick six from rookie cornerback for the Patriots, Jack Jones. And then on the flip side, for New England, uh, their starter in this game was supposed to be Brian Hoyer, who's had about 17 different stints with the New England Patriots, but you know, unfortunately, like we kind of, it just seems to be a trend right now in all of football, college football, and and I felt he would eventually leave the game with the concussion. So fourth round pick quarterback out of Western Kentucky, Bailey Zappi. and you know he just said he broke Joe Burrow's records last year at Western Kentucky. You know, kind of one of the more underrated quarterbacks in this in uh, the. 2022 draft and probably going into this game. I don't think he even thought he would even get any type of playing time whatsoever, unless it was a blowout. So he comes in and he does a pretty solid job. He goes 10 for 15, 99 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions on the day. And, you know, also it did help a lot of the fact that he does have a pretty good running back core as Damian Harris. He had 18 carries for 86 yards rushing and one touchdown. Ramondre Stevenson. He had 14 carries for 66 yards on the day as well. And, you know, overall, they did definitely help him lead them into overtime against the Packers. And uh, on the flip side for Green Bay, Aaron Jones, he had another great day as he had 16 carries for 110 yards rushing. A.J. Dillon also did very good as he had 16 carries for 72 yards rushing. And kind of the big factors in this game for Green Bay was Alan Lazard and then rookie wide receiver out of Nevada um romeo dobbs is romeo dobbs statistically he didn't break any type of number or anything like that because he only he only went he only had five receptions for 47 yards receiving and one touchdown but he made a bunch and i mean a bunch of very huge catches for the packers which would ultimately end up with them winning and then on the flip side for alan lazard he was able to rack up all of those yardage as he had six receptions for 116 yards receiving now on the defensive side of the football Rashawn Gary, the former first-round pick out of Michigan, had himself a day against the New England Patriots offensive line as he would have seven tackles with two sacks on the day. So huge day for him. Jaron Reed as well, the former Kansas City Chief and Seattle Seahawk, he would have a sack on the day as well. And overall, it was just a huge day for the Green Bay Packer defense. And then on the flip side for New England defense because they deserve a lot of credit in this game because a lot of different guys were able to get a sack in this game. Most notably, um, oh my lord, uh, Matthew Judon. Matthew Judon. He balled out today. He had he applied so much pressure to Aaron Rodgers while he would be in the pocket, and I mean he honestly deserves a lot of credit for getting the Patriots to to be you know not to get blown out because honestly, this game should have been a blowout. It should have been Green Bay absolutely destroying New England. But Matthew Judon was definitely one of the big points in the uh, New England Patriot defense that allowed for them to be able to, you know, withhold Aaron Rodgers, at least in the first half, because Aaron Rodgers looked horrible in the first half and Matthew Judon was definitely a huge part of that, but ultimately, the Patriots they would end up falling to the Green Bay Packers by a score of 27-24, to 24. so Green Bay, they now improved to three and one on the season and unfortunately New England they will now fall to one and three. but overall not a game that New England should be ashamed of by any means. They definitely withheld their own weight against a pretty solid Green Bay team but Green Bay would ultimately get the win in overtime 27 to 24 over New England. And now, finally, to wrap up all of the action that we had on Sunday, we had the Kansas City Chiefs traveling all the way down to Tampa Bay despite Hurricane Ian. They were able to actually play this game in Tampa Bay, you know, traveling down to take on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, in this game, man, Kansas City started out just, I mean, on a Fires going into the second quarter, uh, Kansas City led 14-3. Patrick Mahomes had himself an amazing game today as he went 23 for 37, 249 yards passing with three touchdowns and one interception on the day. And then his counterpart, Tom Brady, in this game, he finally got all of his weapons back. Julio Jones was active. Uh, Chris Godwin was active for the first time since week one against the Cowboys. Mike Evans was back. So, you know, Tom Brady had every single one of his options back in this game. And Tom Brady honestly did not play horrendously bad at all. As he would go 39 for 52, 385 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions on the day. But the huge kind of key note and definitely something that Kansas City prioritized in this game was defending the run game. As Kansas City only allowed three rushing yards the entire game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers which is really impressive considering the fact that Leonard Fournette only had negative three yards on the day. So great job by that front of Kansas City to be able to limit all, I mean, pretty much any type of running game that Tampa Bay did have. And then on the flip side, Kansas City made sure to get the running game completely active in this game as well, as Clyde Edwards-Alaire had 19 carries for 92 yards rushing and one touchdown on the day to lead Kansas City in rushing. And then, as we all know, Travis Kelsey... Arguably the best tight end in the NFL right now. He had another amazing day as he had nine receptions for 92 yards receiving and one touchdown. So close to getting another 100-plus yard career uh, game, which he already has. I think like 37, 38 of them, which is absurd for a tight end. But he just can continue to dominate, especially in this game as well. And Patrick Mahomes made sure to definitely spread the ball out in this game as well. As uh, Marquise valdez Gambling had 63 receiving yards on the day. Juju Smith-Schuster had 46 Sky Moore had 31, and I mean, he just was continuing to spread the ball out. Another kind of surprising thing in this game, too, was the fact that McCole Hardman, he really didn't get targeted that much. He only had one target on the day, and it's starting to kind of seem like the offense is going away from him in a way. But anyway, I'm not going to harsh too much on that. But anyway, let's let's flip over back to Tampa Bay and some of their receivers, because honestly, their receivers had a pretty solid day today despite not being able to pull out the win As Mike Evans would have an amazing game as he had eight receptions for 103 yards receiving and two touchdowns on the day. Chris Godwin would have a pretty good comeback game as he would have seven receptions for 59 yards receiving. Leonard Fournette had seven receptions for 57 yards receiving and one touchdown. And I mean... I mean, honestly, the offense was not the reason really why they lost this game. The defense just unfortunately just could not stop the passing attack and just Patrick Mahomes as a whole because Patrick Mahomes had one of the craziest plays I think we have seen so far this season as he scrambled right in the red zone. Flick the ball to I think it was Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the back of the end zone just for a kind of like a backyard football type of play, and it was just amazing to see. But ultimately, Kansas City would get the best of Tampa Bay in this game, as they would go on to beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers 41 to 31. Is now Kansas City they improve to three and one on the season after a pretty disappointing loss to Indianapolis last week, but a great bounce back win. And then for uh, Tampa Bay, they now fall to two and two definitely this game did not go how they wanted it to defense just did not show up when it mattered the most and there's a lot of things they need to fix but overall still a very solid team it'll be interesting to see if we potentially get a rematch so to speak in the super bowl but anyway guys that wraps it up for all the action that we had on sunday so now let's go over to monday night football as we had the los angeles rams traveling to san francisco to take on the san francisco 49ers on san francisco 49ers we all needed to remember they are now going to still continue to be led by Jimmy Garoppolo probably for the rest of the year as Trey Lance is out you know obviously with unfortunately with a season-ending leg injury so Jimmy Garoppolo his second game now back as the starter for the San Francisco 49ers after a disappointing week last week against the Broncos where he most famously had his Dan Orlovsky moment as he stepped out of the back of the end zone for safety for the Broncos but anyway to wrap up All of this week four action that we did have, we have to travel out to the bay as we had the Los Angeles Rams taking on the San Francisco 49ers on Monday Night Football. And man, what a game it was for the San Francisco 49ers defense as on the day they absolutely went off against Matthew Stafford and the Rams as they would have two fumble recoveries on the day, one pick six, but I'm so sorry, I do not mean to uh, mispronounce his name by any means, but... Talani, Talanoa Hufanga, as he would have a pick six, and just, I mean, this 49ers defense did not allow this explosive Rams offense to do anything. I did not expect this to come at all, as the he, as Los Angeles Rams did not even put a touchdown on the board in this game, but despite that fact, Cooper Cup, like always, had a very solid day as he had 14 receptions for 122 yards receiving and was really the only offense that the Rams had in this game. Like he's kind of it's kind of been the story so far this year. It seems like you know all the free agency acquisitions on offense like with Allen Robinson they haven't really been able to do too much. And Cooper Cup is still, you know just still continuing to do Cooper Cup things. Matthew Stafford definitely did not have his best day at all as he would go 32 for 48, 254 yards. Uh, passing with zero touchdowns and one interception but once again the big big thing in this game was the San Francisco 49ers pass rush as they would get to Matthew Stafford with seven sacks on the day so definitely a huge reason in why the San Francisco 49ers won this game and then Jimmy G the former backup now back in his starting position he had a pretty solid day as he would go 16 for 27, 239 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. Now, the big note for the San Francisco 49er offense in this game was Debo Samuel, the the literally the, the literal definition of a Swiss Army knife in the in terms for football, as he would have six receptions on the day for 115 yards receiving and one touchdown. And he had an amazing 57-yard touchdown run. I mean it was just an amazing day for Debo Samuel. And honestly, I think, you know, the, the main thing that should be talked about in this game was how well the San Francisco 49ers defense played as the 49ers would go on to pretty much blow out their end division rival with Los Angeles Rams 24-9. As now the 49ers improved to 2-2 on the season, and the Los Angeles Rams, they now fall to 2-2 on the season. So anyway, guys, I hope y'all enjoyed this week four of the of the 2022 NFL recap. I mean, there were so many amazing games that went on. I'm so excited to talk about all of the week five action that we have coming on this week. So make sure to go check out Wednesday's uh, week five preview episode that will be coming out at 12 p.m. Central Time. You're definitely going to want to check into it. And thank, y'all, and thank all of y'all, for, I mean, seriously, from the bottom of my heart, for tuning in to every single episode and listening, liking, following, sharing, whatever you do to support... to to support the cover seven with mason pierce podcast i truly appreciate it so guys make sure that y'all have a fantastic start to y'all's week make sure y'all continue to do amazing things and i will see y'all back here tomorrow for the week five of the nfl season uh preview and then the week six of the college football season preview as well so i'll see y'all guys then and make sure that y'all have an amazing day peace y'all